Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When a man returns to his hometown, he figures he's going to run into a couple people he knows. But he has no idea he's about to meet someone he shouldn't be able to meet. And then we go hiking with a young woman in the woods. She's just hoping to clear her head a little bit, get some fresh air, and sort things out. But there's something waiting for her in the woods. Something unthinkable. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. We got a lot of stuff to cover today. So first off, running into Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Everyone get on your feet and give a loud round of applause for Giselle Antoinette. Woohoo! Yeah! wee ha, Yeah! She's doing jumping jacks. Running on in to Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Giselle Antoinette recently posted her Spotify wrapped on her social media. She's helping getting the word out, which I am true to my word. I appreciate that just as much as I appreciate financial donations. If you guys can support the Patreon, you guys can buy stuff from the merch store or join the YouTube channel memberships. That's all fantastic. It really is. Every penny helps. Helps me tremendously. But if you can't do that, I get that too. I really do. There's a lot of content creators that I don't have the ability to give funds to. However, the way you can help out my show is by spreading the word. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. I do it. I tell people all the time about YouTubers I watch, like Danny Gonzalez and Omrecker. They're pretty niche. <laughs> They're pretty niche, though. Um, Omrecker does video game streaming, Dead by Daylight. Danny Gonzalez, I think, is one of the funniest guys on the internet. Hope I'm not hyping him up too much. Joel Haver is a YouTuber I've been watching a lot of lately. I know a lot of you guys know who Joel Haver is. Fantastic comedy work as well. And then That's a Bad Idea is probably one of my favorite YouTube channels. They're putting out some of the best short-form horror available, bar none. It's a crime every single day that Curry Barker does not have a multi-million dollar film in development. A hundred percent. So I help get the words out. I help try to help get the word out on content creators I love, and I love all of those guys tremendously. Fantastic work, Giselle Antoinette. Let's go ahead and get this party started. I'm gonna toss. I'll put links for all of those guys below. Giselle Antoinette. Let's go ahead and get this party started. I'm gonna toss you the hair hang glider. Everyone, grab onto her ankles as she jumps off the highest point of Dead Rabbit Command and glides us all the way out to Virginia. We're headed back to the 1990s. Third Eye Blind is breaking all of our hearts with their beautiful music. We're just walking around. What else was in the 90s? Gangster Rap was on top. Spice Girls were right around the corner. It's a beautiful time to be alive in the 1990s. Most of you guys were alive in the 1990s as well. A couple of you guys were just little babies. 
1990s, but specifically we're looking at the music scene because we're going to meet a local musician here. We'll call him Miles. We don't have his real name, but Miles is a musician. He's a singer. He plays instruments as well. He's truly a Lewin Davis type character, except probably not as horrible as a human being. You guys have ever seen that movie, Inside Lewin Davis. It's quite the journey, but uh, Miles is that type of artist, right? You just want to be part of the music creation community, whether that's singing or playing an instrument or writing or even on the business side, like managing. You just try to do it all. And maybe you can make a good go of it. I think that's the dream for everyone in that industry. Miles, he's kind of moving from project to project, from band to band, singing in some of them, playing the guitar in others. And at one point, he's in this band and they need a drummer. They need a drummer. If you want to get into music, that's probably the best thing. I knew a drummer who was in five different bands at the same time because it's hard to find a drummer, let alone a good drummer. Miles said we had this band, but we needed a drummer. He ended up talking to an old friend of his named Kevin. He goes, hey, dude, we got this project put together, but we really need a drummer. Will you at least do this for a bit? I know that you don't want to do it all the time. You got some other projects going on, but can you fill in until we get a permanent drummer? And Kevin's like, oh, yeah, dude, totally, no problem. Love to help you guys. I can't do it forever, but sure, yeah, I can fill in. And it worked. It worked. The band gelled really well together, but Kevin was true to his word. He couldn't do it permanently. He did have other projects going on. He filled in until a permanent drummer was found. This band ends up going on for a while, and then they run into some problems. Everything starts to fall apart. Miles ends up getting a call at one point, because now he's looking for something. He gets a call. Hey, Miles, hey, we need a guitarist for this country band. Miles is like, okay, well, you know, country's not really what I'm looking to do, but sure. I love being part of the music creation process. Yeah, totally. He goes and he works for this country band for a while. It goes on for quite a while. They end up going on tour. They have a CD come out. They hook up with this financial backer. He's willing to buy them a tour bus. Gets them studio time. Miles said this fell apart when the lead singer of our band decided to cuss out the financial backers. The financial backers said, I'm out. I'm taking all my money. He's driving away in the tour bus. They're like, our equipment. It's the temporary nature, right, of all this music stuff. It's very hard to break through. It's very easy to break up. Miles is bouncing around from city to city, state to state, doing music here, doing music there. Eventually, he says, I gotta go back to Virginia. I'm gonna have to go back and get a quote-unquote real job. I'm gonna put this music stuff behind me. For now, you know, maybe when he gets older, for I know a lot of musicians in their 40s and their 50s who take breaks and, and stuff like that. It's just part of that process. You don't ever want to give it up, but Sometimes financial reality can slap you in the face. Okay, I'm going to take a step back. Go back to Virginia, get a job. So he's back in Virginia now. A couple of years have passed. He's back in Virginia, working a job, and the local band jam competition is coming up. Miles said this is the first time 
I've had to attend one of these where I haven't been in a band. I'm just going to be in the audience. I'm going to be enjoying some good local music. As he's in the audience, he gets pushed from behind. And, you know, this happens when you're in a crowd of people. You're a little miffed off. You don't know exactly what's going on. He turns around and standing behind him is Kevin. Miles? Oh, Miles, dude, I haven't seen you forever. Oh, Kevin, what? I, oh, dude, and they're like greeting each other like old friends do. And they knew each other before they were in that band. They had good times in that band, and then people went their separate ways, and they didn't talk for years, as young people tend to do. They just move on with their lives. But here he is in his old town, running into his old friend Kevin. Oh, dude, what's up, man? Oh, and they're just chatting. Talking about good times, listening to some good music. Miles didn't say this out loud. He did think it was interesting that Kevin was there with a beautiful woman, right? That's great. But Miles knew this beautiful woman was not Kevin's wife. But what are you going to say, right? I said yesterday about calling people out. You know, it's probably a bit of a different situation than the one I presented yesterday's episode. You see a man, an old friend of yours, who's married, and he's out with this beautiful woman who's not his wife. And you could be thinking a hundred different things. You could be thinking maybe he's cheating on his wife and that ain't cool. But you're also going to be thinking maybe him and his wife broke up. Maybe they're taking a break. Maybe something even worse happened to the wife. I don't want to bring it up being like, oh, so where's your wife? And then you find out that she'd been dead and this was his new girlfriend. All You know, you just kind of are going to probably let this one lie. But he did put a little note in his head. He goes, that's weird. He's with this beautiful woman, not his wife. And he goes, listen, I'm talking to Kevin. We're having a good time. And I realized that he looks healthier than I've ever seen him. He looks really good. And that's always a great thing to see in your friends. He goes, he looked really good. He really good. But a little bit of thing that was a downer for Miles is that as they were talking about music and everything, Miles goes, yeah, I'm not not in a band right now. I kind of had to figure out some financial stuff, get a job, take a break. And Kevin goes, yeah, you know, I'm not doing music right now anymore. What? You're not? Kevin, oh, really? And Kevin's like, yeah, I actually, I sold my drum kit. So I'm like, done. Stuff's expensive, and I sold it. I officially cashed in my chips. I'm done doing music. You sold your drum kit? Oh, oh man, that sucks. Yeah, you know, but the person who bought it's going to do good stuff with it. You know, I went to a loving home. I just didn't have a use for it. This goes on. They're talking for like 30 minutes. Eventually, Miles has to go to the bathroom. He's like, hey, dude, I gotta go drain the main vein, if you know what I mean. If you know what I mean, Kev Dog. I gotta go to the bathroom. Oh, yeah, sure. Totally, man. And Miles makes his way through the crowd. Goes to the bathroom. And when he comes back out, he's eager to continue his conversation with Kevin. This wasn't like an excuse to not talk to this dude no more. He just really had to go to the bathroom. He came back out, and he's looking in the crowd. Doesn't see Kevin. He goes back to the spot where they were talking, maybe thinking maybe he's standing around there, doesn't see Kevin. Looking around, maybe the bar area, maybe, uh, no. Can't find Kevin. And he figures, 
okay, you know, like something might have come up. Kevin might have to leave, or, or I, I don't know. I don't think I don't think he was well, like a good thing. He had to go to the bathroom because that was a boring conversation. Let's go, honey. Just figured, you know, he had to leave, and Miles leaves too. He leaves the the jam band competition. A couple weeks later, Miles is still in town. He's running into all these people that he knew. Talking to a bunch of local friends, local musicians, just kind of hanging out. And he ends up talking to a friend of his, local friend of his, we'll call her Tammy. And Tammy asks, hey, uh... Did you go to that band jam competition? Did you go to that band jam showcase? And Miles is like, oh, yeah, I did go. I did go. That was really, really awesome. And you won't believe who I met there. Like, I'm back in town, and who do I meet? I ran into Kevin. I haven't seen that guy in years. And it was so awesome. He just, like, accidentally bumped into me, and I turned around, and there he was. It was awesome. We were talking, and... Miles is beginning to tell this story about him and Kevin running into each other, and Tammy is getting visibly angry as Miles continues to talk. And Tammy's getting so mad, and finally she's like, cut it out! How dare you? How dare you, Miles? Miles is like, what are you talking about? Tammy goes, I don't... I don't even, I I can't even believe you would think this was funny. I can't even believe you would bring this up right now. She's getting super pissed. Miles has no idea. Tammy, what is going on? I ran into Kevin. She's like, stop it. You did not run into Kevin. Kevin is dead. Kevin died almost a year ago. He got hit by a bus in Florida, okay? And this isn't funny. We all know that. You know that. Kevin's dead. Quit saying you ran into him. I I, I can't. I can't. And he's trying to process all of this. Wait, Kevin... Kevin got hit by a bus? Yeah, he stepped in front of a bus and a bus hit him. It was an accident. So don't you dare say that you talked to Kevin the other day. That is cruel, and it's not funny. Miles is floored by all of this. And he just leaves. He just walks out. He realizes, like, he's trying to be like, I saw him the other day. It's just making her madder and madder, because Miles needs to figure something out. He did see Kevin the other day. He had a 30-minute conversation with him in public. He knows that he talked to Kevin. A hundred percent. It's not like he thought he saw a guy that looked like Kevin walking down the street. He talked to him. They talked in detail about their lives. But now he's being told by Tammy that he died almost a year ago in Florida. He stepped in front of a bus and got killed. And Miles just leaves, right? He just walks out. But he can't let that lie. He goes, there's no way. There's no way that one of these two things is not true. Either I did not meet Kevin and talk to him for a half hour, which I know I did. 
or that he's dead. So over the years, this happened in the 1990s. This was posted just this year. He goes, you know, I have had many theories about what might have happened. I've had many, many theories about what might have happened. And of course, Kevin, like I think a lot of us, will default to the real before you start to look at the supernatural things. He goes, over the years, I've talked to other friends. I talked to other friends after that incident, and then I've talked to people in the ensuing decades. He goes, he would tell the story. He would say how Tammy got super mad at him. And he'd be telling the story. He goes, I swear I ran into Kevin. Is it possible? Miles would ask. He would talk to his friends. He goes, is it possible that Kevin faked his death? Because I saw him there with a beautiful woman who was not his wife. And he looked great. Definitely didn't look dead. Is it possible that he faked his death for whatever reason? And now he's out living this life. And... He's been told by multiple friends over the years, they're like, listen, he died. I was at the funeral. It was him in the coffin. He didn't fake his death. But still, how do you rectify that with running into him, talking to him for 30 minutes? Miles, who posted this online underneath the username The June, Miles said uh, last year, or two years ago now, 2022, he is able to talk to the widow. I don't know what took so long. I mean, it might be of a tracking down thing. It might be a politeness thing. He figured she would have a lot of the answers possibly, or not, right? I mean, how do you approach someone and saying, I saw your dead husband a year after he died? He'd leave out the beautiful woman part. How would you approach that? Well, anyways, in 2022, Miles does get a chance to talk to Kevin's widow. And they're just talking. And Miles goes, hey, I have a question. It's going to sound weird. Did Kevin sell his drum kit before he died? And the widow goes, well, yeah, actually he did. He sold his drum kit before he died. He was done. He was going to get out of doing the whole music thing he sold his drum kit that's a weird detail for you to know or even ask why why are you asking me if he sold his drum kit now miles is even more confused because that's what the kevin told him at the band jam competition i sold my drum kit i'm not gonna do music anymore and that part of the story is true and so miles goes listen this is gonna sound super crazy but i'm gonna tell you this story I don't know if it's supernatural at this point. I mean, it's just really weird. But I went to this band jam competition and I ran into Kevin. I ran into Kevin and we talked for like 30 minutes. And I found out later that he'd supposedly died the year before. But I'm telling you, I talked to Kevin. And one of the things he told me, this Kevin in the bar who's supposedly dead at this point, Tells me he had sold his drum kit. So if I was mistaken, if this was someone else, I just don't understand how those details match up. Like, I don't I don't know what this story means anymore. It doesn't mean... I just... I don't know. Is That's just crazy, isn't it? I talked to Kevin. For like a half hour in a crowded room. 
And the widow just looked at Miles and said, Oh, that's interesting. And then completely dropped the subject. So, I mean, this is one of those weird paranormal stories. I love this story for a couple different reasons. This is one of those stories that you want to default to a ghost. But that would be more understandable without the beautiful date, without the beautiful woman next to him. You know what I mean? Like, if it was his ghost and you ran into him at, like, a bus stop or something like that, we could 100%, well, not 100%, but we could say it was most likely he was having one last conversation with his old friend. His old friend appeared to him as a ghost. We see in a lot of ghost stories people interacting with ghosts, and then once they are told, oh, no, that person died, they'll never see that ghost again. We covered a couple of those on the podcast. We'll put them in the show notes. I think that's an interesting quirk. You can have a conversation with a ghost. If you don't know, it's a ghost. Because our brain doesn't want us to see ghosts. It says those things are real. But that's not what this was. He runs into Kevin at a band jam competition with a hot date. And they're chatting. They have this long, drawn-out conversation. And the quote-unquote ghost version of Kevin reveals information that Miles did not know, and ended up being true that he had sold the drum kit and had quit doing music. So that just throws a whole other wrinkle into it. The other thing when I read this story is I thought, possible time slip, possible interdimensional rift type of story. He ran into the Kevin that didn't get hit by the bus. You have these two realities merging And he got a moment in time with a Kevin, a version of Kevin that did not die in a bus accident. Possible, right? In the world of the paranormal, that's definitely possible. It's far more rare than ghosts. But possible. But one of the things, and I don't want to say I love about this story... But I mentioned, I I gave a veiled reference to this a couple weeks ago. I, I was doing an episode and I said, why is it sometimes you get more time with somebody? Something like that. I knew I was going to do this story coming up. And what I mean by that is, while this story is really cool and it's puzzling, You do have to wonder, I mean, we've all lost people in our lives. We've all tragically lost friends and family members and loved ones, whether they be human or pet. And we didn't get that extra 30 minutes with them after the fact. We just lost them. And I don't really like using the term lost them because I do believe there is life after death, but we no longer in physical communication with them. We can't reach out to them on this plane of existence, but it's much simpler to say lost. But I think it sends the wrong message. They're no longer with us. We're no longer able to communicate with them. It's interesting because we do come across these stories in paranormal research and 
as a paranormal researcher, you kind of collate them and you take a look at them, file them away. But as a human being, in the back of your mind, you do have to ask the question, why them and not us? Why did Miles get this amazing experience with this friend who had passed away? But Tammy didn't. And the widow didn't. And none of these other people who were in his circle of friends, they did not get that final 30 minutes seeing an old friend. Now, a part of it could be because Miles did not know he was dead. That easily could be a big chunk of it. Like when my great-grandma McGee passed away, I remember that morning when I woke up when she passed away. Anytime she appeared to me after that, I would see her as a ghost and not great-grandma McGee. Had I not been told that, I'm not saying that I need to be like shielded from all reality. I'm like, no, I don't want to know. La, 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 la. But... Had I not known that, had I gotten a phone call from her, you know, a day or two later or a month later or something like that, I was like, oh, hey, great grandma McGee, how you doing? We share a beautiful moment. You know, I don't know it's a phone call from beyond reality. I just think it's talking to my great grandma one more time. But we do see these stories pop up from time to time. We do get these. Uh, it's it's just a really cool story. It To me, it shows that there's something more than life with this whether it's an interdimensional whether it's a alternate reality mandela effect you could classify it as that or a simple ghostly visitation to an old friend he's coming out to check out the jam band kevin saying out with his beautiful girlfriend checking out the jam band or band jam but the point is is that you know what I mean? Like, it's it's a beautiful story in that sense, but it does, in the back of your mind, go, how come he gets to experience it and the other people didn't get to experience? How come we don't get to experience that? Because a lot of us would love to have one more phone conversation with the people we care the most about, but we can no longer communicate with on this physical plane. They're not lost. They're already home probably a good way to put it and we're all headed there at some point i do i do want to be very very clear i want to be very clear after yesterday's episode which was quite i i really like yesterday's episode honestly it took hours for me to get that one together that episode probably took about three to four hours not including editing it was such a mess because of my i was so hopped up on cough syrup i was recording there's probably about two hours of unreleased stuff with that episode. Not good stuff. It's just rambling and, and coughing. Um, but it was it was sad. And this episode's sad. I want to be very clear. I am not sad. I'm sorry I'm putting out some sad episodes. I do maybe am still feeling... I stopped taking the cough syrup. I stopped taking the cough syrup. I'll deal with this cough by other means. But... Um, Maybe I'm still feeling a little down. Maybe I'm feeling a little down because I'm sick. Maybe I'm feeling a little bit down from the cough syrup, but I'm not depressed. I'm not sad. I know we've had some sad stuff the past two episodes. I'm not saying anyone should be rushing to go home to see those that have moved on. I just want to be very clear with that. But we should also not think that we'll never see them again. 
we will get another moment with them when the time is right, when it is time for us to also go home. And not a minute sooner. Not a minute sooner. <laughs> I know sometimes, like, because I'm talking in isolation, right? I'm just sitting here recording this and you're listening to it. And sometimes you could be like, dude, he might be deeply, deeply depressed. He's doing a lot of suicide stuff recently. No, it just happens to fall on my plate sometimes and, and sad stories. And, and yeah. But no, I'm doing good, other than the sickness and the brain fog from the cough syrup. That's why I am not piloting the carpenter copter. I'm going to toss the keys over to Giselle Antoinette. I'm going to toss you the keys to the world-famous carpenter copter, take us out of Virginia, and fly us all the way over to... Oh, Virginia. <laughs> Forgot these two stories take place in the same state. I didn't plan it that way. Maybe Giselle is from Virginia herself. And then she feels just at home. Or maybe not. Anyways, we're hanging out in Virginia. This one, we do have a little bit of a more concrete region. We're going to be in Montgomery County, Virginia. Specifically, the Blue Ridge Mountains. Now, the Blue Ridge Mountains, they're massive. They go on for quite a while. So not all the mountains are in this one county, but we'll be specifically in Monterey County, Virginia. This is a story you might want to check out on your own, but I would say if you do, don't go alone. That would be my advice to you. Don't go alone. Don't do what Rebecca did. That's what we're going to name this woman. Rebecca apparently sent this story into the website Phantoms and Monsters. Phantoms and Monsters is a great daily paranormal website they multiple times a day there's articles about cryptids usually cryptids a lot of black-eyed children men in black a little bit of ufo some ghosts but mostly monsters so if you're into that which i am i I read it every single day it's a great website run by lon strickler blue ridge mountains are about to meet this woman named rebecca now i just said you know i'm not going through nothing i'm not deeply depressed you know don't worry about me Rebecca, <laughs> this is another story about a young woman trying to kill herself. No, it's not. But I do think this is interesting. There, There is a thing where you just take so little caution that you have to wonder what her real intent was. At least at the beginning of this story. This might be one of those stories where Rebecca had one thing in mind, but... Once she was faced with the odds, she had to make a lightning-fast decision. Rebecca says, I'm not a big hiker, but I had just had a breakup. My boyfriend and me, Splitsville, for both of us. And I needed to get some fresh air. That's totally understandable, right? You figure maybe go for a walk in your neighborhood, sit on your favorite park bench and throw... Breaded birds. Get a little fresh air. That'd be reasonable. Rebecca, she goes, I'm not that big of a hiker, but after I'd just broken up with my boyfriend, I decided to go to the Blue Ridge Mountains. It's not, if you're not that big of a hiker, I would advise not going to anything called a mountain, unless it's Space Mountain. I went to the Blue Ridge Mountains, I parked my car, I got out, and I just started wandering through the wilderness. So, I would think you have... You're not really 
being smart about this. Nobody is that dumb to think. <laughs> so there could probably be a lot of people being like, no, no, this happens all the time. Um, even I know not to just like kind of wander through the underbrush. I think I, I'm not at ever in the outdoors. <laughs> Basically, I'm the boy in the bubble. If I go outside, I will die. But even I know not to do that. I think when someone does that, they're either um, dumb or they're just kind of looking to disappear. And I don't think Rebecca's dumb. I think most people who do this probably are. I don't want to say suicidal, but they're just not taking. <laughs> You're like, just stop talking about it. Stop talking about suicide stuff. Um, I don't think she's suicidal. You know what I mean? Like you just throw caution to the wind. That's probably a good term for it. Because she is just, just break up with her boyfriend. She, I'm just going to walk around in the mountains with no map, no trail, no way of which I'm going. So what do you think happens? She ends up, well, actually, whatever you guess isn't going to be what actually happens in this story. But she ends up walking around for about two hours off trail. Just kind of, I'm sure, I imagine like, unless she was wearing jeans, her legs are all scratched up. Maybe she was finding like baby trails. I don't know. Maybe she was just wandering from trail to trail. But the point is, is that she doesn't technically say she's lost, but she finds herself off the beaten path. Literally, she's walking around and she sees. A cave entrance. She sees this little cave entrance up is like up this short incline. It's not like at the top of a mountain. She doesn't see like clouds floating by. She sees this cave entrance and she goes, oh my God, I bet I can fit in there. (laughs) Again, okay, it's not smart. I see a cave and she actually says, as she's telling the story, she goes, I wonder if any human has ever been in this cave. That's how far off she is. It's not like a tourist cave where you see like someone outside Wearing like forest ranger clothes and Yogi Bear's all, Hey, boo-boo, we've been in this cave. I got a good scheme for us. Oh, Yogi, not again. Not that. Not that. But if you do need voiceover for your uh, Yogi Bear cartoon, hit me up. I'm down. Hey, boo-boo, I'll do voiceover work on Fiverr. So anyways, it's not that. It's a cave that she's looking at and she goes, I wonder if any human has ever been in that. That's how far she is off trail. And she goes, I'm going to go up and explore that. Death wish. That's the term I've been looking for this whole time. I think she might have a death wish. She's not going to kill herself. But if she happens to plummet or get attacked by a mountain lion or get lost in a cave system until she starves to death, oh well. She goes, you know, I think I can climb up that little incline. I'm going to check out that cave. So she does. She climbs up the incline. She gets there and she sticks her head into the cave and it's pitch blackness, obviously, right? It's a cave. It would be scary if it wasn't completely dark. So she pulls out the greatest addition to cell phone technology ever, the flashlight. She turns on her cell phone flashlight and she shines it into the darkness And she sees that this is a deep cave. Like, it could have just been a little hollowed out. Maybe it'd be enough for her to kind of scurry on in. 
but she doesn't see any walls in the back. She's like, wow, this is like a cave cave. It's one of those caves that people get lost in and never found again. I'm going to check it out. So she does, she ducks, she has to duck down a little bit, but she ducks down a little bit and she gets into the cave and she's shining her flashlight around and just walking in. Rebecca said, I got about 20 feet into the cave and I realized that it branched off. <laughs> it branched off in a few different directions. So I picked a branch at random and just started walking down it. Scrawling, scrawling my suicide note on the wall as I do. She's just tempting fate. She goes, I'm going to pick up... Oh my God, I want to do any of this. I want to do any of this. <laughs> like a Navy SEAL unit backing me up. And Mr. Ballin there, right behind me. I wouldn't do it. Walking down this cave, Rebecca is shining her flashlight through the darkness, and she hears a... She stops walking when she hears the noise of something scampering in the darkness. She stops, and the noise stops as well. The cave is silent. She's looking around. She's shining her flashlight around in the darkness. She's not seeing anything. She hears the scampering again. She shines the flashlight in front of her. And she sees just four feet from her. Crawling in the darkness is a creature. Not an animal. Not quite a man. A monstrosity. She's shocked by this image, as I think we all would be. We'd all be terrified. She described this thing as... A naked man. Naked human who looked completely malnourished. And to the point that its face or his face was sunken in. She said that it was completely pale as if this person had never seen the sun. Pale skin, gaunt appearance, scurrying on the ground. A hillbilly that got lost in the caves once before, maybe. A hillbilly's kid? Born into darkness, scuttling out of his mother's womb, never knowing the sunlight on his skin. Maybe. However, she did note that in the brief time that she had her flashlight on this, whatever it was, crawling on the cave floor, she said that its eyes were completely black. She's shining the flashlight, she's just frozen in fear, and this creature... This human, we don't know. This is one of those interesting stories. We have some theories, but I'll just keep using the term creature or monster because those are the most apt. This creature is crawling on all fours and in one hand, he's holding a half-eaten rabbit. Ominous, right? Dead Rabbit Radio? You didn't know. You didn't know what the name of this podcast was. Spooky. Spooky's part. Having rabbit? I'm a rabbit. He's dragging a half-eating rabbit, and at that point, this humanoid begins to chatter. 
Chattering, whatever. I don't want to hurt my teeth doing this podcast. Making this weird chattering noise. She starts to back up because she doesn't know how she knows this. Listen, she should have been backing up about 10 seconds ago. She shouldn't have been in cave in the first place. But she's frozen in fear. She sees this horrific monster scuttling across the floor. She said, Rebecca said, when I heard it chattering, I instinctively knew what it was doing. It was calling for backup. It was notifying the rest of this cave-dwelling tribe that they had a visitor. She's shining the flashlight on its face. She is getting a good look at this thing as she's backing up because she feels, and this is probably pretty accurate, the light is holding it at bay. There's this creature that's spent the whole time in darkness. It's best, the best weapon used against it would be light itself. She's kind of stepping back through this branching pathway. She's trying to get back to that main cavern so then she can get out into the sunlight of the Blue Ridge Mountains. She's stepping backwards. She's walking back. She's keeping the light on this creature. She finally does get to the main opening of the cave. She does then get to the main cavern. And now she has to make a decision because she's been able to walk backwards up to here. She's now back at the place where it branched off into multiple places She knows about 20 feet behind her is the opening to the cave that'll take her back outside. But 20 feet through a giant cave is perilous. She's thinking, I gotta turn around at this point. I can't walk backwards to this opening. I gotta, it's just not gonna work. But if I turn around, whatever I'm keeping at bay with this light is going to be able to get me. So she says, I. I have to I have to make a break for it. Before she does that, she shines the flashlight around the main cavern very quickly to make sure there's nothing coming from the other branching tunnels. Once that's clear, she books it. She begins running full speed towards that cave opening. She can see the safety of the sunlight outside. She's running as fast as she can. As her feet are hitting the ground and she's trying to make this 20 feet in Usain Bolt record time, She hears chattering coming from all of the tunnels. She knows that there are multiple creatures coming towards her. The big question is who's going to be faster, her or them? There's a difference between running and running while you're scared, running while you're being pursued. Sometimes it can make you run faster. Sometimes it can trip you up because the fear is starting to interfere with the adrenaline that's trying to get you out of that situation. That's what happens to Rebecca. As she's running, she trips. She trips on the cave floor and is like, whatever, I'm out. And she scuttles out as fast as she can. She gets up as much as she can. She has to duck underneath to get out of the cave anyways. So whatever. If anything, the trip helped her. She 
crawls out of the cave opening, and because this was on an incline, she immediately, after she leaves the cave, begins to roll and slide down this hill. But when she finally reaches level ground, she realizes three things. One, she's safe. She really does feel, as the warm sun is bathing her scratched and bruised skin, that these things will not follow her outside of the cave. At least, not during the day. Two, she realizes that it's not going to be daytime forever. She was just wandering through the mountains. She needs to find the trail. She needs to get back to her car. There is technically a timer on this now. Because while she's safe now, she may not be safe when the sun sets. And three, she dropped her phone in the cave. While Rebecca may have started the story off throwing caution to the wind, she's not an idiot. She's like, well, I guess I'm going to have to go buy a new phone. She's not like, oh no, an iPhone 11, I really need that. No, she's like, I'm not. There's no amount of money you can pay me to go back up there and get that phone. None. I need to go find the trail and get home. She said she walked and she walked and she walked and she walked and she does eventually find the trail that she should have been on this whole time. She walks back to her car, and she said, and this, again, is a very realistic uh, scenario for these types of stories. I think we would all do this. She goes, I got in my car, and I drove around. I got in my car, I drove into the nearest town, and looked for the police station. And I found one. And I just sat in my car for a while. And then I drove away. Because who's going to believe me? Who's, who, like, what would be the point of that? Rebecca drove home just crying, just absolutely devastated. I remember she she started this adventure. She's newly single. She was hoping to get some fresh air or get lost in the woods. But even if that was her intention, there's a big thing between just kind of wandering through the woods, throwing caution to the wind, and being eaten alive, being, being eaten alive at best by a group of cave dwellers. She goes, I drove all the way home. I was just sobbing. I couldn't believe what had happened. My life is definitely not going well right now. I went home. I got on my computer and I logged into that Where is My Phone app. Find my phone. And she said that it did show my phone pinging in this area that I was in at the Blue Ridge Mountains. Like, it did show my phone was where I'd left it, inside this cave. Out of curiosity, 
later on, I don't know if it was days later or hours later, but she goes, later on, I did check again. Probably not any more than that for battery life, but she goes, after that, I did check again. Uh, where's my phone? And it was several miles away from where she had dropped it. And she goes, and then the battery has died since then. It's a super intriguing story. I love stuff like this. This is another one I've had kind of ready to go for a bit. We don't know what these creatures are. Like, on the one hand, we want to call them crawlers. There are these crawler entities we've talked about a lot on this show. I've seen at least one of them, maybe two of them, and I didn't know it was a phenomenon when I first saw it. I just thought, wow, that's something really weird and grotesque. They were quite huge, though. The reason why they're called crawlers is because they crawl on all fours. They are completely pale. They're humanoid. They're very gaunt. You can count the ribs. They're that skinny. I don't know if that's what was in this cave. I mean, we don't know for sure. It does match a lot of the characteristics of that. This is one of those stories that could be supernatural. Could be cryptid, right? It could be some sort of crawler. Could be some sort of entity. It's most likely biological because it's eating. So let's get rid of the spirit, the ghost side or the demon side. It's possible that it is a crawler type entity. But this is a story where you could honestly put money on it just a bunch of crazy humans. And it's one of those stories you go, what's scarier? There is something more sinister... Here's the thing, like, imagine you are, not me, you, because I don't go outside, you're walking through the woods, and this is a more interesting thing, more believable, I guess. If you're walking through the woods, and if they're down one path, you're going to get attacked, mauled, and possibly killed by a mountain lion. And down the other path, you're going to be attacked, disfigured, and possibly killed by a pack of hillbillies. Which which path are you taking? That's what I'm saying. That one is clear. That one is clear. I'd much, even though I'd have a better chance of defeating three hillbillies in armed combat. I mean, it's 50-50, honestly. Fighting three people at any time. Fighting three kids would be hard at the same time. Especially if they know the lay of the land. But an animal's an animal. An animal does animal things. You can possibly survive that encounter. Yeah, you'll be really chewed up. You're going to have big claw marks across your chest. It's not going to be an easy fight. There's a chance you might win. There's a chance you might win against the hillbillies as well. But which path would you rather take? I think most people, they're going to get the jump on you. They're going to get in a lot of good licks. You will be mauled by the mountain lion or disfigured by the hillbillies in some way. It's not like you're like, no, I'm the toughest guy. Listen to UFC podcasts right before this one. Yes, I know. We could all probably take three hillbillies in combat. That's not the point. They get the jump on you, and you take a club to the back of your head, and then they throw some acidic moonshine in your face. You're all, ah, ah. This UFC podcast didn't prepare me for this. Ah. And then they hatch it off some of your toes, and then you're able to fight them off. But you're still pretty jacked up from it. Would you rather have that? You're like Jason Aaron, just adding stuff to get the answer you want. Yes, Jason, I'd rather be attacked by a mountain lion than have acidic moonshine thrown in my face. Of course. 
I think it's creepier to think that there's a bunch of humans in this cave. And it wouldn't be out of the ordinary. I, I, this is a conspiracy theory I've tossed around over the years. I think I've mentioned it only once on this podcast. I think it's possible there's a lost tribe in the United States. And I don't mean like a lost tribe of indigenous people. I mean, it's the United States is very big and it's actually full of wilderness. It's something that doesn't really come across when you're looking at a map. People always say, like, the movie The Village. I hated that movie. Quit bringing that movie up. But what if somewhere in the middle of one of these forested areas, there's a small settlement of 12 to 20 pilgrim people? Or, like, old-timey settlers who are just like, no, nah, we don't follow your laws. And they just wandered off into the forest, and they've been living there alongside of us this whole time. I even question, like, what if that's... What if the Bigfoot stories come from humans disguising themselves as monsters to scare people away straight up scooby-dooing us out of the wilderness i don't know i mean it's possible and that both of those would be preferable to cave dwelling hillbillies i'd rather run into like an old-timey pilgrim and being like ah what's that you have there shoelaces ah what's a shoe well, their feet are all bloody and huge and swollen that's why they're leaving those bigfoot impressions I, you know, this is one of those pick your poison. What's scarier? It being a monster that lives in the darkness and more than one. Like if this is some sort of cave dwelling monster, there's definitely more than one. Is that creepier or a bunch of people who disappeared into the caves? Not on accident. Like they're like, we're done with the laws in this town, boys. Let's go up to the old cave and live there. Go up there, bring your wives and your girlfriends. Start having cave babies. It's possible. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. That to me is creepier than a monster. I'd rather if I had to choose between being trapped in either a wrong turn movie or gremlins. <laughs> it's the most innocuous monster movie ever. Okay, critters. I'd rather face down the critters than wrong turn hillbillies is what i'm saying they're brutal they're brutal and imagine if they also lived in a cave so they're losing even more of their humanity the cave systems in america or really all over the world have never been mapped you could have a whole civilization down there and we wouldn't even know it unless you walked into the caves yourself which is why i would advise not to do that rebecca really threw caution to the wind i think she was just Going, I don't think she was just going out on this walk to grab some fresh air. I think she probably had a death wish that day. But once she realized that that death may be an unnatural one, torn apart in the darkness of a cave, feeling your flesh ripped off, your eyes gouged out by pale fingers, chattering teeth biting at your thighs yummy 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 you're all like damn it you're sitting down to eat some chicken you're like jason she expected maybe i'll just wander off in the wilderness maybe it'll be a romantic death like that movie <laughs> got mauled by the bears oh yes whatever that movie was grizzly man maybe it'll just be a romantic death i'll just wander off in the woods and no one will ever find me and my ex-boyfriend will always wonder whatever happened to rebecca oh i miss her so much it'll be so romantic but once she realized that that death may come at the hands and teeth of a brutal cannibalistic. I just added that part. There's nothing in there that says they're cannibals, but 
when she realized that her death was going to be in the hands of a pale, black-eyed, cannibalistic race of cave dwellers, she realized she didn't want to die. She realized that she would do whatever it took to get out of that cave and see the light and to feel the warmth of the sun on her skin one more time. But the cave dwellers are still there. Somewhere out in the wilderness, they lurk, waiting for the sun to set so they can leave their caves, waiting for darkness to fall so they can hunt for fresh meat. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm so glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.